Praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made, and we'll rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. Let me first begin and foremost uh, remind you of the fact on February the 10th, we have our second marriage seminar that's coming up here at the training center that we want to admonish you to come and be a part of. Um, this particular meeting is not a meeting that is designated specifically or only, if you will, for the members of the training center, but anyone that has any issues or any, uh, you know, anything in regards to marriage. And, and praise God, we want you to be involved with that and, and come and just be blessed by that. Also, we have, for the first time this year, we have a single seminar that is a part of this meeting as well. Our single seminar, which will be taught by Dr. Shamika and Smith during our 11 o'clock session here at the training center. She has a powerful word that I believe God uh, has for all of those that would avail themselves to come and be a part of our single seminar on February the 10th. Amen. Both meetings of the meeting will begin probably at 10 o'clock for the first session and then we'll have our single session right behind it. Amen. At 11 o'clock. Amen. Two hours of power. Praise God for our first singles uh, uh, seminar and our second Doing Life Together uh, marriage seminar here in the training center. Praise the Lord. And uh, as I said on uh, the midweek, and I want to reiterate again, if you have not registered, we would love for you to go ahead and RSVP online. You can do so at the trainingcenter-church.org or the link uh, on Facebook is also available for you to be able to link to that so that we can get a head count on who's coming and can prepare for this free event accordingly. We are not charging for this event at all, but we are simply needing to have an idea as to who is in fact coming so that we can prepare and not have waste within the house of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. First Kings chapter number three. Once again, first Kings chapter number three has been our foundational uh, text, if you will, for this portion of our teaching for this year of discernment. Scripture says this, Solomon praying, he says, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this so of this great people of yours? The King James says, give your servant, your servant an understanding heart. To judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. Good and bad. And we've indicated to you the meanings of this Hebrew word. Discerning heart literally means or, or this understanding heart means to hear. It means to listen. It means to obey if you will. Proverbs chapter number 2 and verse number 6. 
says to us, and we looked at this as well, the scripture says, but the Lord, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He says he giveth wisdom. He gives it to you. Now James tells us that he gives it on a request basis. It's very similar to what we see what's going on with Solomon. That God comes to Solomon and says, what do you need in order for you to function in this particular assignment that I have granted to you? You would think that this would be automatic. No, Solomon said, all right, Lord, I've looked at the assignment that, that you've given me. I've looked at the things that you've placed before me. And I, what I have determined that I need the most is a heart of discernment. The Bible says he giveth wisdom. But the Bible tells us in James 1 and verse number 5 that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberally and abrighteth not. Which means I got to request it. He says out of his mouth come of knowledge and understanding. The word understanding we've indicated to you in the past means intelligence, reason, discretion, insight. But it also means out of his mouth come knowledge and and discernment knowledge and discernment is within therefore the word of God the more time you spend with God the more time and particularly when you request this from God God doesn't have an issue with giving you an understanding or a discerning heart but you do have to ask for it Proverbs chapter 4 once again Proverbs chapter number 4 notice what the word says here <clears throat> scripture says this and you notice we're reading all these Proverbs verses Amen. We, we've already been, we cleared this stuff, right? <laughs> All right. Proverbs chapter number four on this 20, what, second, 21st day? Of, uh, amen. If you had just repent and just, just get your Bible out and catch it on up. Amen. All right. Proverbs chapter number four in verse seven says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. He says wisdom is the principal thing. Yes, it's important. He said with everything that you inquire with within life, he says get understanding. Get understanding. Wisdom is the ability or it is the capacity to, 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 un, to um, uh, how do you say this, Lord? It is, it's like what's in the cloud. <laughs> it's available to you. And you can even see it, but you might not understand what you're looking at. You know, with a lot of the technologies, one of the things I've seen, like, you know, particularly, let's just use this as an example with, you know, pe people of certain ages, you know, the technology is available to them. It's in their hand. Let's say maybe a nice phone or a nice computer. And it has all kind of wisdom and they can even see it. But because they don't understand how to work the system, they don't know what they're looking at and they don't know how to actually utilize it within their life. And therefore, they become afraid of technology because of what they don't understand. In the same way, this word understanding literally means get discernment. It means knowledge, understanding, but it is also translated discernment. So that, yes, you have this piece of technology, using this example, within your hand. But now I can discern how to use it, and now I can use this to actually help me out. This is, you know, like one of the things that, that's going on within our society today. We are trying to make an, anal uh, 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 an analysis as to what is the impact we will have with this area of AI. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And because we all understand when technology goes south. 
But if we utilize it for a way perhaps it was created as maybe a more uh, sensitive version of what we've already been using, then it might be something that's good for you. But one of the things I see within our society today is anytime you have change, you have a lot of people that are afraid of that said change. When the smartphone started coming out for the first time, I watched a lot of folks say, oh, I never get rid of my flip phone. Bless God, this same phone I've been using, and it works, and that's all I need. Now, I see them same folks with their smartphone in their hands saying, do you see this up here? Because you embrace the technology through this area of understanding. Now that you understand it, you can discern how this is more intrinsically uh, uh, better for you than perhaps that flip phone where you had the text using 111-222-333-4444. You understand what I'm saying? Discernment, if you will, in a spiritual sense is the ability to see the obscure. To be able to understand beyond what is naturally or what is uh, just on the surface level, if you will. As we define it, it's the ability to be able to grasp and comprehend that which is in fact obscure. That's what it means to discern. And as a believer, this is, should be something that is intrinsic within your life that you operate in these areas of the ability to grasp and comprehend that which is obscure. For those that are flowing with the Holy Ghost, one of the things you'll notice is that even when you're at work, people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, people that are Christians, is that they can recognize things in the environment that other folks don't even know what's going on. You'll be at work and you'll say, no, there's something going on right here. And you'll sense it on the inside in your spirit. And the person that's born again that might even come through the door, the person sitting across from you that's born again, they'll say, yeah, there's something here we need to be sensitive to. And everybody's like, what's sensitive to what? What are you talking about? I don't understand. Because they don't have a heart of discernment. Discernment is something that should be natural within the life of every believer. And yet it is not. I saw this when I was uh, meditating on this particular concept. You ever notice that, let's say on maybe a news program, and specifically uh, the way I saw it was in the area of sports, is that you might have a play that happens on the field, and then there is a referee that calls the play. And in the middle of them saying, all right, let's hold and let's review the footage, they will say, well, let's go to an expert so that they can discern what exactly, what, what, what do we all see? You have two views at that point. You have a laity view, which is everybody watching their TV saw the play and they could sway up and down. This is what happened. But they call in for an expert, maybe an ex-referee, and they say, what do you think about this? And the reason why they're asking the expert what do they see or what do they think about it is because of the discerning heart that they have in that particular arena. You know, the, another case in point is an area maybe perhaps you have a question about a scripture. Well, you shouldn't really be going to a secular person that doesn't know God and asking them questions about your Bible. One of the places that God has provided for you is a place called the church where you have a pastor that has spent time in the word of God and has more of a discerning heart to be able to tell you and share with you some things that they have seen from the scripture. There's a difference between how someone that is considered an expert in this area looks at something versus a laity. It, we can see the same thing in the example, let's say in the area of law. 
where you have a question that's a legal question. You can go up the, speed, up the street and ask Junebug, who went through a similar situation in his court case, how, how does this all work out? Or you can go down the street and you might have to pay a little bit of money, but you pay a little bit of money for counsel for somebody that has expertise to look at your case that can see something that, that you weren't able to see. All of these things are an example of a discerning heart. It is the ability to see the obscure. And when it comes to the things of God, this is what it should look like for every single believer. That you're getting to a position where God is able to disclose more to you. But then the question then becomes, why is it that some ain't seeing nothing? Why is it that some seem to grasp this and comprehend the obscure and why is it that others seem to don't they don't they don't comprehend anything? Turn once again if you will to Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 5. And this is where we left off on Thursday and this is where we're going to pick up on this morning. Hebrews chapter number 5. Now, if you look at Hebrews chapter number five, it's a very interesting passage of scripture, as I indicated to you before. And I'm not going to go through everything between verses one through ten. But Hebrews chapter number five is interesting because the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell the readers, if you will, about these deeper things about how Jesus is our high priest. He's trying to tell them about the significance of it, that a high priest can't pick themselves and God Almighty had to choose Jesus as his son to stand in this position. And he wants to talk more and he wants to illustrate more. But then he says, all right, I got to say something to y'all right here as I want to say more about this. But there's a reason why I can't tell y'all anymore. And he tells us why. Verse number 11, he says, watch this. Of whom we have many things to say. So he said, there's so many things I want to say to you. There's so many things I want to show to you. And he says, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull. The Amplified says it this way. Considering this, we have so, we have much to say. But he says, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and declined to listen. Another translation, I think, uh, literally says, since you become dull and you don't want to hear it. The uh, New Living Translation says it this way in verse 11, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. So he says, there are some things that I want to share with you that are deeper, but you've gotten to the position where you have become dull in your hearing, sluggish in your hearing. So he indicates to us in verse 11, as we said in the midweek, that your spiritual walk can become dull and sluggish. It's not always vibrant if you don't grow. Your spiritual hearing and, and even your want to can change if you don't stay in a position where you are always hungry for the things of God. He says you've gotten to the position where you're dull and you don't even want to hear the truth. 
Verse number uh, 12, staying out of the uh, Amplified says this, for this, by this time, he says, you ought to be teachers because of the time you had, you have had to learn these truths. You actually need that someone teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. And you have you have come to be continually of need in need of milk and not solid foods. He says, y'all been around for a long time, but yet you have come again to need the first principles taught to you. At a time in your life where you ought to be a prognosticator, you ought to be a teacher of these truths, we got to sit down with you and explain the rudimentary uh, foundational principles of the faith. Milk, as we said on Wednesday, represents first principles, first things, the elementary, if you will, uh, principles of the word of God. He says at a time when you ought to be engaged in eating meat, you still sipping on milk. Let's keep going. Verse number 13. He says, for everyone, the King James says, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is obeyed. Everyone that uses milk. Now, I, 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 I don't have a problem with this concept of using milk, because sometimes you're going to be using milk in varying ports and positions of your life. And you think about it in a natural sense, there are some times where we have some milk. Most times it's in the morning. You, you get you some milk. So to say everyone that uses milk is a little bit of a misnomer. I think that the Amplified and other translations break this out a little bit further uh, where it says this. The Amplified says for everyone who lives on milk. See the distinction. He doesn't say just simply using it is a problem, but he in fact says those that live on milk. You are residing on milk singularly. That's all you do. Church after church after church service. You are wanting more and more milk. Worship service after worship, you just want more milk. There are a lot of Christians, that's all they're interested in. They just give me milk, Reverend. I don't care nothing about the meaty things of the word of God. Just give me the milk. This is what he's saying. Those that live on milk are doctrinally inexperienced. And what does that mean? Unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a spiritual infant. Those that live on milk, these are the people that don't know their identity in Christ Jesus. These are the people that yet they don't know the promises of God. These are the people that only know, man, listen, I'm at church because I just I'm trying to get my fire insurance on. That's all I'm interested in. I'm not interested in actually applying any of the word of God in my life to see any manifestations of real change. The only thing I want is give me milk. And if you read that Bible too much, Reverend, then I'm out because I'm not interested in growing. I'm only interested in milk. He says he that lives on milk, doctrinally inexperienced and unskillful in the word of righteousness, since he is a spiritual infant. Now, notice this verse number 14, where we find uh, our subject this morning. He says, for strong meat, the King James says, belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So strong meat, if milk represents the first principles of the word of God, the elementary state, then he says strong meat represents maturity. It represents doctrinally experienced people. This also lets us know once again that there is a distinction between the two groups of people. Everybody is not in the same place. There are some milk 
milky Christians. And then there are those that are eating on the meat of God's word. Contextually, he is saying, I wanted to give you some meaty principles. But you couldn't eat on these meaty principles because you are still yet a milky church. Notice he says out of the uh, Amplified Version of the Bible. So solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses, notice he says, are trained by practice. Whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between morally good and evil. The King James once again says, by reason of use, have your senses trained. What senses are he ta- is he talking about? Turn over, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians, verse number, uh, chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. I'm jumping around a little bit. I apologize. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. <clears throat> Notice what the scripture says here. Let's start. Um, Paul is doing some correction and he's telling this church at Thessalonica certain things. And, and he says... In verse 21, some things he says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. So he says, prove, don't just take everything at service or level. He says, prove all things, hold to that which is, in fact, good. Those things that are appropriate, because everything that you see is not necessarily appropriate. He is this. He's telling them operating in a level of the sermon. Then he says, verse number 22, he says, abstain from all appearances of evil. You know, this is something that we got to say to the church again today. Abstain from all appearance of, of evil. You know, yeah, you might be able to do that, but sometimes we can't do that as a church because it looks evil. Yeah, you might be able to play that song because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of the grace of God, but it might not be appropriate in the house of God because it looks evil. Yeah, you might be able to do certain things, but he says have a discerning heart essentially to understand if it looks bad, sometimes your perception is reality for the folks you're trying to reach. He says, verse 23, he says, and the very God of peace, watch this, sanctify you wholly. The word sanctify literally means to separate you apart. Holy, he says, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the words whole spirit. And then he says soul and body. So he's indicating to us how man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a physical body. We have a spirit because you are rather, I'm sorry, you are a spirit. You have a soul, which are is your mind, your will, and your emotions, if you will. And you live in a physical body. And so what we need to understand about this particular principle, if we go back to where we were, he says, by reason of use, have their senses trained. He says, senses uh, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What senses is he talking about? The training and developing of your soul to be in concert with your renewed spirit. For your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions to go and flow with what your spirit, which is linked up to the spirit of God, is leading you to do. This is the reason why we have certain areas of where we call for a fast. Because your mind can get out of control. Your emotions can be out of whack. And what you need to do is allow your spirit to speak to you stronger and louder than your own head. 
He says, by reason of use, have their senses exercised. Have their senses exercised. It must be something to this then. That I have to exercise this particular area of my life so that my discernment is accurate. And he goes on to say to discern both good and evil. Good and evil. And we've seen it said this to you. And I'll say this again briefly this morning. The word good there, it doesn't just simply mean good. It also means valuable. And the word evil doesn't just mean evil, but it also means worthless. So he says, by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both valuable and worthless. That which is valuable versus that which is in fact worthless. So the question that I asked God, which he dropped in my spirit was, Lord, if you're saying that there is something here between our growing up spiritually and having areas of discernment within our life, then how do I exercise so I can have this be the reality of my life? How do I begin to exercise? I know physically when you go to the gym and you look at all the equipment, it can be overwhelming. You say, well, Lord, have mercy. What do you do first so that you can get your gut down? What do you do second to be able to get your muscles working here? What? How do I become what I am seeing in my heart to be? And so these are the programs. This is how God has designed the system so that you exercise so that your senses will be able to discern between that which is valuable and that which is in fact worthless. We looked at one last week. First one we looked at is this area of praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Jude chapter 20. Jude 20 says this, but beloved, but ye beloved, he says, building yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost. I submit to you, praying in the spirit is how you begin to exercise your senses, being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit with having your prayer language. Now, I know for some that may be listening, they say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, that doesn't mean you're not born again. And what it does mean is that you're not utilizing everything that is available to you. You can be born again and not be filled with the spirit. It is not a requirement for heaven or hell. What it is, is that God has given us two sets of guns. You have the one set is just basic prayer. And the other of us, uh, the rest of us have this other gun where we can pray in the Holy Ghost, which exceeds the way we think. Turn over, if you will, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. This is, this is a divide uh, with some denominations as to whether or not the ability to pray in the spirit is real. Well, I don't believe in all those tongue stuff. A lot of stuff has changed over the years. I remember in the Baptist church growing up, this was more of a debate than it is now. But yet this still is a debate in some circles today. But notice what Paul says here. Out of inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I want to read this out of the Amplified for how it reads. It says this. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Now, we've indicated to you just a second ago that you have a that you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a physical body. Notice what he says. If I pray in tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind, what is the mind? The soul of a man is unproductive because it does not understand what my spirit is praying. 
When you pray in the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what's taking place. You don't know what in the world you are praying. But Jude says you're praying out of your most holy faith when you pray in the Spirit. This is, he says, he says, my mind is unproductive. But notice he says, verse number 15. Then what am I to do? I will pray with the spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me. And he says, and I will pray with my mind using words I understand. Notice how he says it. I'm going to use both. I have these two guns. You know, get this idea of a cowboy. He has one gun on one side. He has another gun on the other side. And as a cowboy, he says, all right, I'm going to pray with my understanding. So I have the ability to shoot this way. But I'm also going to pray with my spirit, which is a gun to shoot this way. I'm going to shoot with both areas of my life and I'm going to get results. That's how it looks. Again, it doesn't mean that you're not born again if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. What it does mean is you operating with one gun when God says you can have two. Notice he says... Then what am I to do? I will pray with the spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me. And he says, and, and in addition to, I will pray with the mind using words I understand. He says, I will sing with the spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, within me. And I will sing with the mind using words I understand. There is a singing in the spirit. That is an utterance of the Holy Spirit where you are singing in tongues. I've done it myself. Where the Holy Spirit gives you utterance and you just begin worshiping God in the Spirit. It's on a higher level than when you do it in your understanding. It is a wonderful thing to be able to pray with your understanding. But it's a higher level when you're praying in the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I do both. For us, we do both. How do you exercise your senses? Doing both. Praying in the spirit makes you more sensitive to the realm of the spirit. If you understand that, say amen. Let's look at this second area. Mark chapter number 9 and verse 29. Jesus indicates this. <clears throat> Mark chapter number 9. Jesus is coming down off the mountain of transfiguration. As he's coming down after the mountain, mountain of transfiguration, he sees some of his disciples that he left down on uh, off the mountain having a struggle with this boy, his daddy, and some attitudes. His daddy says essentially to him, if you look in the context, hey, you know, y'all fix him because I, I can't fix him. And so, bless God, the disciples, you know, he was having, they, the boy was having impulses. He was having seizures and, and all kind of things. And, and so they were going to cast the devil at him. And I believe that the disciples, they said they did the same thing they'd been doing with another situation. They were able to cast out the devil. And they came to this particular devil and they couldn't cast him out. And they're trying to figure out why. By this point in the game, the daddy is getting pretty upset because he's not seeing the results that he wanted. And so as Jesus steps up to him, he says, what's going on here, boys? What's happening? And the, the daddy being the daddy says to him, you know, I brought my boy to your disciples and they couldn't cast him out. And so Jesus said, why, what, what's going on? Why can't you cast him out? I don't understand. What, what, why, why are you not able to do the same things that you've always been doing? Why are you are not built up in this area of faith yet? And as the story goes on, Jesus cast out the devil out of this boy. This is the Cliff Notes version of what we see in Mark chapter number 9. 
Later on that night, if you will, the disciples come up to Jesus and they ask, hey, Lord, look, look. Why is it that we were unable to have the same area of results that you had? And notice what Jesus says in verse 29. He says, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by own nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So I submit to you the second area of how to exercise is an area of fasted prayer. He says, no, the issue that you were having was that when the boy did not respond the way you thought, you got into your flesh instead of sticking with what you said. The word didn't change because you didn't see quick manifestation. And the thing is, that's what it looks like with a lot of Christians. If you don't see it happen right now, you begin to back off of the word that you spoke. And the thing is, when you back off the word that you spoke, you go from not seeing anything to guaranteeing you won't see anything. It's not because of God, it's because of you. So what God says, I call for a fast so that you will stop looking at what you see in manifestation and only look at what he said, what you declared by the word of God and have a concentration back on him instead of what you're seeing in manifestation in the natural. A fasted prayer, once again, is this area where you're exercising your spirit. You're rather, I'm sorry, you're exercising this area of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions so that it will be in concentration with what your spirit already is saying. You believe based on the word of God. Your spirit says, yeah, yeah, we believe it. It's going to come to pass. But your mind gets to the messing with you. You say, well, that don't look right. That's not happening the way I thought it would. Oh, I don't, this is not what I intended. And your mind will get you into a position that it gets you out of faith. So what God says, and what I want you to do to restrict your flesh, he says, stop eating so that your spirit is the only thing that you concentrate on. You concentrate on that word of God. You're concentrating on this area where the Holy Spirit is connected to you in your spirit, man. And you begin to only focus in on what he says so that now it doesn't matter what I see. It's only what he said that matters. Fasted prayer gives you a greater sensitivity to this realm of the spirit, especially when you do fasting and praying in the spirit. So now I'm praying in my most holy faith, faith, and I'm also restricting this area of my flesh. Now you only thing that you're doing is now you're getting this area of this these reps in, these exercises in, so that your spirit now becomes more sensitive and that it begins to lead you more than what's in your head. Does that make sense? Notice this. <clears throat> Luke tells us that Jesus indicates to us that men not to always pray and not lose or heart or not faint. He says that in uh, Luke chapter 18 and verse number one. Men not to always pray, always pray and not, the Amplified says, and not give up and lose heart. When I feel like I'm going to give up, when I feel like I'm going to lose heart, that's when I got to call for fast. I got to call for a fast so that my mind will shut up and I can get back in agreement with someone on the inside of my spirit. So that all these doubts, all these things that are taking place, now shut that on up so I can agree with what he said. It's what we see in this example of Abraham. God says, all right, boy, I understand that you don't have a son yet, but I need you to refocus on what I'm saying over what you're seeing. This is why we call for a fast. 
Third reason, watch this. Third way that we begin to exercise our spirit. We begin to exercise so that we can discern between that which is viable and that which is useless or worthless. Look over here at Colossians chapter number three. Colossians chapter number three. And let's look at verse number 16. Notice this. <clears throat> the scripture says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Notice this. How am I supposed to let the word of Christ dwell in me? He says richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. The Amplified says it this way. Let the spoken word of Christ have his home within you dwelling in your heart and mind so we can insert in your spirit and in your soul penetrating every aspect of your being so he says let the word of Christ and we're going to let's take this apart let the word of Christ dwell in you richly how do I let the word of Christ dwell in me richly? It is through this area of meditative worship. To let it dwell in me richly means I got to have the word. If it's going to be in me, how is it going to get there? You're going to have to spend some time. Worshiping God around his word. Thinking about his word. The word meditative literally means absorbed in meditation. Or considered thought. To meditate the word of God means I need to be thinking about the word. He says, let this word dwell in you. He says, let it be absorbed in you richly. You know, it's a crying shame when you meet a Christian and they only know two scriptures. <laughs> you get to talking about certain things. And they're like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Because you, you don't know the word. The word doesn't dwell in you richly. When the word dwells in you richly, I can be in a staff meeting. See, that's why I watch my staff sometimes. Because I might insert the scripture, but I don't insert it with the King James Version of the Bible. I insert it with other translations. And I got, I got, I got one of the guys on my staff, he's a preacher. Every night he look at me and say, <laughs> you know, that's, I'm like, yeah, it's right there, ain't it? Because again, when the word dwells in you richly, you, you've been thinking on it. You look at that. See, another way that you may let the word of God dwell in you richly is that, yeah, you take the King James Version and you say, let me look at three other translations and see how it says it. That same verse. God opened this one verse to me. What is that? I'm thinking about this one passage of Scripture. I'm letting it absorb on the inside of me. Another uh, definition of this word meditative literally means giving your attention to one thing. You ever notice within your life that the devil all keeps something going on? Gotta go here, gotta go here, gotta go here. You have got to get to a position where you become a barefooted priest. Where, all right, I can do this, but I am becoming sensitive that now God don't want me to do that right now. God don't want me over here right now. No, no, I'm not going to feel guilty by telling you no. I can't do this right now because I'm supposed to be doing this. There has to be a time of separation where you say, all right, I'm going to give my attention to this one thing. And one of these things within your life needs to be the word of God. To let it dwell in you richly, I have got to give focused attention to the word of God so that it is absorbed on the inside of me. 
Now he says, in all wisdom, all wisdom, he says, as you teach spiritual things, uh, let's look, the King James, as we close this out, says this, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And he says, teaching and admonishing one another. So there has to be an aspect of the teaching of the word of God. Teaching as the key, as the uh, Amplified says, as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom. What is that? Sound like church, don't it? He says, as you teach, teach, teach. In the word of God, you, one of the ways that God begins to break up, break scriptures to you is when you come to church. So that you can understand the word of God in a way that you hadn't before. He says, teaching and training on one another with all wisdom. Then he says, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms with thanksgiving to your hearts to God. And what does that sound like once again? Sound like church. You know, the practice of going to church is not just a, a wonderful idea. It is a God thing. Coming together and worshiping God together is a God thing. Getting in the word of God and letting yourself be pastored by somebody is a God thing. It's not something. Now, if we put it in every other arena in life, we understand this. You know, when you have a wonderful football player, he still has a coach. <laughs> It doesn't matter if he's a professional. Right now here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, we got an issue because we don't have a coach on the Panthers. And we watch and say, what, what are we going to do? The team can only rise to the level of the coach because they need somebody, even with their professional selves, to help them see the holistic picture of what the organization is trying to do. God says, all right, I give you pastors so that you are a part of this church because it's a part of what God's connected for you to do for the next thing in your life. Your destiny is attached to being in the right church. So he says, once again, meditative worship, meditative worship. Joshua 1 verse 8, he tells Joshua, this book of the law should not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in the day and night that thou shalt observe to do according to all that's written therein. He says, when you do this, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Meditative worship. Meditate. I'm absorbing the word of God. I'm allowing it to reside on the inside of me richly. This is another way I begin to exercise so I can discern between that which is valuable and that which is worthless. We'll pick up here on Wednesday night. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word on this morning. We thank you, Lord, as you open these scriptures up to us cause us to understand cause our understanding to be flooded with light so that we won't see things from a religious standpoint but that we'll see it from the relationship that you've called us to to know you more to sense your presence to perceive your directives and your directions those areas in our life, God, where you cause us to pause. Those areas in our life where you cause us to see things. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will heighten these areas with, within everyone under the sound of my voice. 
so that we are not Christians that are walking through life, but that we are kingdom citizens deployed for a divine assignment. We give you praise and we give you glory. But everything is in Jesus' name. Everyone that say, Amen. Right. Well, praise the Lord. Well, it's giving time. It's giving time. Philippians chapter number four says this. It says in verse six, be careful for nothing, but with everything, my prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So he says, don't you be worried about anything, but you put that thing in prayer. What kind of prayer? Fasted prayer? Might be in there praying in the spirit. He says, by everything, by prayer and supplication, he said, make your request be made known unto God. He says, when you do this, he says, in the peace of God, which packed for all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Again, there's a reason why we got to spend that time in prayer. Because when you spend that time in prayer, it exercises your senses. What, what does that do? It gives you a reality that is beyond what you're seeing. That you might be looking at lack, but God says, no, 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 no. I am the God of your abundance. I'm the God that's able to take care of you. You cast the worry, the care on me. And he says, I will transfer that care for my peace. And then he says, finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are, are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue in them. He says, uh, and if there be any praise, he says, think on these things. So he directs you after you've laid that care at his feet and he gives you his peace. He says, all right, you still got to deal with this area of your mind. Meditate on whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure. How many of you know all of this is the word of God? And he says, think on these things. Then he goes on, Paul giving this letter to, the, the, to this church. And he goes on and he talks about, he said, when I came to you, he says, verse number 11, nothing that I speak in respect of want, but I've learned that whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I'm not even writing to you, to you because I'm in want. Because I've learned that whatever position I find myself in, I'm God can take care of me. I've learned this. I thank God that Paul wrote, I've learned to be content. He didn't say I was content. He said I learned this. This is something I'm learning. To be content. He says I know how both to abase and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer. He says I know what it's like to be up. I know what it's like to be down. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be fed. He says through it all there's one thing I want to leave with you. He says verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My ability to overcome these areas. My ability to be content in the midst of everything is because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He goes on and he says in a number of other things, but then he completes this thought out in verse number 19 by saying this, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, he gives us a pattern. He says, I've learned first and foremost that I in everything I got to cast my cares on the 
Lord. He's, he's kind of saying the very same thing that Peter said by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when I cast my cares essentially on God, God gives me his peace. And when God gives me his peace, I still got to guard what I'm thinking about. I got to make sure I have a focused attention on what he said. He says, I understand where you are right now. He says, I have learned to be content. I know what it's like to be up. I know what it's like to be down. But I've learned that I can do all things, not through my ability, but through Christ who gives me strength. And that same Christ that gives me strength is also the one that shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Three ways you get to the training center. I didn't mean to give you a whole Philippians teaching. Three ways you get to the training center. First way is by way of online giving, which is the training center-church.org. Second way is by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. Third way is by way of our mail, the Training Center Family Church, located here at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. And of course, you can give live and in the house. Well, it, it, that's, that, trust me, it, it'd be all right. <laughs> Always are received by this ministry. We thank God for whatever way the Spirit of God is leading you to sow. We thank God for our members and our partners continually sowing into the ministry and bringing the tithes and offering. You are, in fact, helping to make it possible. Praise God. We have heat on in the building because we have tithes and givers. We have power in the building because we have tithes and givers. We're able to do the things that God has called us to do because of tithers and givers and people that are obedient to the Spirit of God. So thank you for that. Congregation, let us set ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing and those that in fact have already sown. Father in the authority of the name of Jesus God we bless you for this opportunity to prosper. We thank you Lord as we sow our seeds into this good ground. We thank you Lord that as we bring our offerings as we bring our tithes we thank you Lord that you open the windows of heaven over our lives and pour us out a blessing in which there's not room enough to receive. Because God we are tithers and givers we thank you Lord that you rebuke the devourer for our sake. Because of our motivation being cheerful and not grudging or doing it out of necessity, we thank you, Lord, that you're able to that you're able to make all grace abound towards us. We thank you, Lord, that we believe what you said, that you are the God that supplies all of our need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So as we sow our seed, we speak to it and say, seed, go and grow and produce a harvest in the name of Jesus. If you're in agreement with that prayer, everyone did say, Amen. I want to admonish you once again, we have a marriage seminar and a single seminar coming up on February the 10th. February the 10th, we have a marriage and single seminar. The marriage workshop, if you will, will begin at 10 a.m., probably at 10 a.m., doing life together as we look at these varying things within this area of marriage. One of the things that I'm assigned to do, I particularly believe for this session, is talk about this area of communication and particularly this area of how to have an argument without killing each other. This is one of the areas that we're going to look at, particularly at this particular marriage seminar on the 10th of February at 10 o'clock. Amen. Doing life together. And then right behind that, we're going to have our single seminar taught by Dr. Shemika N. Smith, one of our members here at the church. And uh, it's going to be a powerful word that she's going to bring forth that's going to uh, teach on, I don't want to announce what she's going to teach on, she knows what she's going to teach on. 
Amen. But she's going to bring a powerful word at 11 o'clock. It's uh, going to be a great time in the Lord. And we admonish you to just come on and get, let's get hold of the word. Let's all grow together in the name of Jesus. Once again, if you're a member here, if you're not a member here, praise God. You, this is open to all that would want to come and be blessed by uh, this particular uh, seminar. Praise the Lord. We will have that once again on February the 10th here at the training center at 1314 West 2nd Avenue here in Gastonia, North Carolina. Additionally, we will ask that you will go to our website, thetrainingcenter-church.org, and RSVP on uh, uh, before that date of the 10th so we can be prepared with a head count for those that are in fact coming to the seminar and prepare for uh, those things, refreshments and things that we would like to do just be a blessing to you at that time. So thank God uh, for these things that we are doing here at this church and we believe that the best is in fact yet to come. Amen. May you walk in the favor of God this week. May you be in the right place at the right time. May your heart of discernment continually grow. In Jesus' name, we will see you on Wednesday night. Amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 6.45 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.